Welcome to Prime Alpha's interview series, Insights from Industry Practitioners Discussing Their Journey and Their Discoveries. Hello, my name is Amanda Jogia, the CEO of Prime Alpha, an online ecosystem bringing together alternative opportunities and their investors. I would like to introduce Andy Chakrabati, Portfolio Manager of Duo Regis Capital Management. Andy founded Duo Regis in 2018, stemming from his experience in tech at Microsoft and Amazon, focused on problems where models failed, coupled with his passion for the markets. Duo Regis is a long, short, quantumental equity hedge fund that seeks to exploit human-machine collaboration gaps created by rule or model-based trading. Welcome, Andy. Thank you, Amanda. It's a pleasure speaking with you. You have such an unconventional career journey. I would love to hear more about the journey. Well, thank you. So I spent most of my career, as you mentioned, in tech, mostly in engineering, finance, and data science at Intel, Sprint, Microsoft, and Amazon. But it was really always the same job. I was the guy given the task, hey, take this team and figure out these places where the models and the data and the systems are failing. For example, in Amazon Retail Systems, I led a data science team in charge of extracting ever more concessions from our vendors, price, delivery speed, responsiveness for those providing product to Amazon, but you don't want them to leave the platform. That's obviously an incredibly sparse signal set, but the problem applied to how the capital markets think about how regulators speak to them. So this isn't just the SEC, but you know OSHA and so forth. And these are really smart people that have a lot to say and the market doesn't really want to listen. But I felt there was a lot of opportunity to bring these places where I saw models fail, especially in light of the amount of growth of model or rule-based investing. And let me pause and say, the index is kind of a rule. You know, everybody, buy everybody who's at XYZ capitalization. ESG, obviously a huge growing area. That's kind of a set of rules or decision paradigms, factor investing, all of these things, not just algorithms and you know, machine learning and so forth, but all of these are attempts to overcome human biases. But the real secret that I'll let everybody in on is that machines have biases too, because they have this little problem and it's staring back at everybody in the mirror every morning. What was that pivotal point where you decided to kind of marry these two, two worlds? Well, I've always had a passion for the capital markets and quantitative work. And my, my career really showed me that even the most world-class models fail. So for example, you know, the Amazon models, the Microsoft models, all of these things handling these huge complex technical systems. Let's be clear, these work 99.9% .9 of the time. And that's actually excellent model performance. However, the way that they fail has a lot to do with the way people design stuff. But in addition to that, the machines also start to create these weird behaviors in relation to themselves. Now, the, a lot of these examples are famous and well-known to people, you know, machine learning systems or bots that, you know, get exploited or hacked. But there are also things that are very subtle and are missed by the outer world because the other secret is nothing can be designed to be right 100% of the time or else you become overfit. It's like building a beautiful model of yesterday that's useless tomorrow. So because of the fact that people need to avoid that, there was an opportunity. So really my journey back to the capital markets world really came from you know, thinking about these gaps and really a conversation with my older son. It really reminded me of the importance of not just following your passion, but the thing that you love to do so much that you wanna do the worst part of it for 12 hours a day. 
The name of my firm really means two kings in Latin. And it's really to commemorate that important truth, you know, of the, of the conversation with my kid. And really, it's a great reminder of the fact that every investor has an important reason just like that, that brings them to the market. How did you execute on, on your idea? Well, really, from my prior experience dealing with financial and data models, I see that as their scope grows, so do their points of failure. As there's more and more of this you know, investing, I mean, I think we can agree between us, there's going to be more growth of ESG, there's going to be more growth of factors, there's going to be more growth of all of this stuff. These points of failure also grow. So the secret is, as we were talking about, that the points of failure come from interactions with people. So the way I exploit that is just like you might go read, you know, Daniel Kahneman or Dan Arelli's books and really understand human financial behaviors. What I do is I find these human machine financial behaviors, find the mathematical signature of them. And then we're really looking for what are the groups of investors? We call them market participant groups. We profile them using kind of all of the, you know, data science techniques and clustering and stuff, but it's not really about the technical stuff. It's about finding where do you see these patterns of failure, these biases in the market, go and find those and, you know, if you will, trade against them. So you're either front running them, if you will, you're trying to find where they're going to be and get in front of them if they're going to be right or take the other side of the trade if they're going to be wrong. So it's, if you will, a naturally long, short strategy. So I've talked to a few quant strategies and I've had a few debates about the human element in the strategy. Sometimes I've had managers who are like, I let the machine do what the machine does and does very well and take the human element out of it because then you take out the kind of the human thing that right. you do that causes the mistake. And then yeah. I've talked to quant guys who are saying, you know what, the quant, the, the machine does a ton, but there needs to be this active approach at the last mile. What do you think of that? So that's, they're asking exactly the right question. I guess I frame it slightly differently, which is, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, Soros likes to say this thing of, you know, the market isn't either right or, you know, like, oh, how, how much, you know, strong form, semi-strong form, does the market, is it always right? Is it mostly right? So no, 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 it's always wrong. There's a prevailing market bias and there's a bias with the stock. And when those align, you know, or when those are opposed, then you get the price action that you get. So a little bit analogous to that, I, I guess I say you can't actually eliminate the human element. So what you should do is lean into, uh, to, to steal that turn of phrase, uh, go and capture what that point of failure is. So where is it that people are creating the side effect and go in and you know, exploit that? That's what I'm looking for because the reality is even the best quantity you're talking about, and you know, a lot of these folks are, let's say, much better than me, but they still can't take themselves out of it. There are just places that you can't do that. You don't know what you don't know about yourself. You, know, you, have, you have an unconscious bias if for no other reason than you know, the markets you choose to trade, the data signals you, you choose to use, is your data set up at a daily granularity, a minute granularity, all of these things are decisions where you're placing your implicit bias into the data set. So if you will, I, I turn it the other way and I say, everybody's going to have this bias. How can I go find that and use that as my major source of alpha? I love that. It's taking a, figuring out how to, 
how to take a negative into a positive and then seeing all the angles. So since starting your firm, what do you, what did you think you did well and what would you have changed if you could? That's a, always a great question. So I guess I would say, so the number one thing, if I, you know, sort of had it to do again, how would I, how would I change or evolve it? We have a sort of supervisory layer and what that does is it ingests all the, the regulatory information and all the things that we, we talked about there. And really what we did is what we missed is the models actually have a bunch of information about kind of the thesis that you give them to trade, the mathematical signature, like I was saying. And there's only one law of all of this stuff, alpha decay. Somebody's going to come and try to take your source of alpha, your return driver away. And I think that my number one learning is you can actually seek to find that. You can look for, hey, is my model's alpha starting to decay? So I have all these different submodels. And you know, during my, the evolution of my strategy, I now have a way that I sort of seek to find where are the models, each of the submodels starting to lose their power? Can I get in front of that? So that's really something that I've evolved and changed. Obviously, I wish I thought of it to start with, but it's been super helpful. And, you know, the sort of proof of the pudding is in the eating. So, you know, I had my worst period in Q3 of 2019, and that really led to this evolution. And my sort of test under fire was, uh, the early part of the COVID stuff in you know February, March, et cetera, 2020, we came through that with a positive quarter. And you know, it was it was a really interesting opportunity to sort of say, oh, okay, how do I actually deal with this situation? A lot of people will throw up their hands and say, oh, well, you know, it's a one-off event. Great, but at the end of the day, clients don't need someone to invest for them when everything is going up, right? Then you don't need a carpenter to hammer in a nail. You only need that stuff. You, you, you create value when things are going crazy. So I guess I would say measure people based on, you know, how do they do during these terrible periods? And that's one where I would say that that's something that, you know, we did, we should have done better and that we evolved and hopefully are sort of starting to do right. So a good segue is how do you help your clients then? Well, so our core strategy, it's an equity long short uh, quantitative hedge fund, as you mentioned. So it's been generally low correlation and low negative exposure. So our goal is to help clients to understand the following. I think clients, whether fiduciaries or investing for them, their own book, they need to ask the question, are there going to be more model or rule-based investing dollars in the market tomorrow than today? And if so, am I prepared for this reality? It's something that not a lot of people have thought about. Like, what does it mean for the market? Not do I have an AI investment strategy or do I have an ESG investment strategy? But what does it mean to my world that this exists? It's a little bit like going back in time 30, 40 years and saying, hey, there's this thing coming. It's the index. And you say, well, I don't know that I care. Obviously, it's changed the world of investing massively. So just like that, I would say that we have this vision to say, Everybody, whether they're investing with me or just thinking about themselves, they need to they need to answer this question. They owe it to the people that you know they're investing for the you know the t- sort of two kings in their world. What is it that I'm doing to be prepared for the growth of model based investing? So, what do you think is your superpower and why? That's a really interesting uh, question. I love the superpower framework. 
I guess I would say it's a little bit about sort of seeing side effects and unintended consequences of actions. You know, games that I liked as a kid were always something where, you know, whether, you know, it's whatever civilization on the computer or Monopoly or something like that, where there's another way to approach the problem. You know, you, you know, this is blocked. And so you can sort of come out the other end and it's not just sort of a, a straight, a straight shot. So I guess I would say something that I've done throughout my career to sort of say, okay, this, this main vector, this main thing that we're working on, that's not working or that's been well plowed and everybody understands this, but this side effect, well, that's going to have, you know, e potentially even opportunity, but, you know, if nothing else, that'll give us a 25, 20% improvement to the baseline, you know, idea. So if, as we look at the growth of this model-based investing, what's cool is I think it'll do a great job for people. But I think what we really need to think about is what does it mean for the market and for our portfolios as a whole for all of these things to be occurring in the market? And you know, what does that mean for my portfolio as a personal investor, as an institution, as a fiduciary, as a pension plan, et cetera? Thanks, Andy. So interesting. I love the fact that you were able to marry these two interests and bring them together. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's certainly been a fun ride and I'm looking forward to what's uh, coming next. We I just actually completed a onboarding onto a platform, Alpha Innovations, where they're these, you know, one of these multi-strat firms. They've got some great folks, you know, with uh, great backgrounds from, you know, kind of all of the great investment funds out there. And, you know, hopefully that lets us increase our reach to even more folks. Sounds great. Can't wait to learn more and definitely want to have a follow-up podcast with you. I think there's a lot of interesting backgrounds between mine and yours that <laughs> we get out a lot of insights. Yeah, Thank you so much. Thank you.